Well, if you would, open up to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11, and we're going to be in 11 through, really, I guess, 25, just looking at different verses, because um, I think there's, some, there's a repetitive theme, again, that we see in these verses. But before we get started, just in case you see it, and so it's not, whoa, that's what the back of my head looks like. <laughs> oh, y'all think that's funny, huh? Hey, we'll leave the cameras on, and you can come up here after and see what the back of your head looks like, and then we can all laugh and how, see how funny that is. Anyway... Uh, sorry, that's not in the notes either, um, but uh, I, I dislocated my pinky. We had our college leadership retreat, and I dislocated my pinky playing football. I think there's a proverb in that, um, you know, at the age of 35, you should not be playing football. But uh, so anyway, so if you see them taped together, that's what it is. Uh, don't be distracted by it. That's just, that's just how it goes. But um, I had heard multiple times, and I've read in different places Um, with people that have been doing studies about the words that people speak, just the amount of words that people use on a daily basis, that that every woman will will say 20,000 words a day. I'd I'd heard that before. And then every man would use on average about 7,000 words per day. And so I, I was looking up to try to really document that study, and I couldn't find where that study was, but I did find another study from a professor in 2014 at the University of Arizona uh, that did another study. He had over 200 participants in the study, and he had a microphone that was attached to a recorder that would record their words every day. And here is what he found. He found that on average, women spoke... An average woman would speak 16,215 words a day. 16,215 words a day the average woman would speak. Then he found that the average man would use 15,669 words per day. And so almost essentially equal. Uh, The the smallest amount of words that were used per day were 700 and... 95 words. I guess he got up, said hello to his spouse, left, read all day, and then came home and had a very brief conversation and then went to bed. But 795 words per day, the the lowest human used. The highest, the highest that he found was 47,000 words per day. 47,000 words per day. I know some of you in here that could have rivaled that 47,000 words per day and not women. Not women either. Men, they could rival the 47,000 words per day. And you know what was funny? Uh, both the lowest and the highest were both men in the study. Both the lowest and the highest were both men. So if you take an average of roughly 16,000 words per day that we would all speak, um, that's 112,000 words per week that we would use that would come out of our mouth. Then if you take that and you multiply it by 52, it's 5,824,000 words per year that we would use as humans coming out of our mouth. Now, I also looked it up just because I'm weird like this. How many words are on a page, like average? How many words are on a page? And it's between 250 and 300 words per page when you type out our words. So every day, every day the average person if they had their words written down, would have 58 to 59 pages of words in print. 58 to 59 pages of words in print. 
then they're average about 200 pages inside of a book. And so if you collected all of your words over a year and made them into 200-page books, you would have 105 books on your shelf. 105 books on your shelf. And that's only if you're average. It's only if you're average. Now, if you live to be 80 years old, if you live to be 80 years old, that means you'd have over 8,400 books of words on your shelf. 8,400 books of words. The King James Version, you know, like the most inspired version of the Bible, has 783,137 words in it. So every 49 days, the average human is replicating the amount of words that is in the Bible. That is in the Bible. So the average amount of time that we will spend in our lifetime with our mouth open is one-fifth of the time. One-fifth. And then, not only that, that's not including the words you write down, the emails that you send, the social media things you put online. Just the words that come out of our mouth are so numerous. And what's interesting is that Proverbs addresses it. Proverbs addresses the words that come out of our mouth. And it's a pretty harsh reality when we read the words. If you look at Proverbs 11, starting in verse 9, it says, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 There is one, listen to this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Like the writer of Proverbs at this point, Solomon, says there there are those of you whose rash words are like sword thrusts, and they're slowly killing the people around you. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Those that are wise, their words bring healing. Then chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you go to Veterans Park and you watch any kind of softball game between grown men, you'll see this verse to be true. You will. Like a soft answer will turn away wrath, but, but a, harsh, a harsh word will bring up anger. You, you'll see that ring true all the time. Chapter 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Do you see that? A gentle tongue is a tree of life, that, that it's a life-giving thing to people. But a perverse tongue breaks the spirit. Breaks the spirit. Chapter 16, verse 24. It says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. I want to read that again. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Last night, I had come back from our retreat about right at 2 o'clock. And so last night, I'd been gone for a couple days, and so we went to go eat at Texas Roadhouse. And when we got there, we ate and everything, and then we're leaving. I pay the bill. We're leaving, and Hudson just looks at me and says, hey, Dad, thanks for dinner. 
And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? You know? I tell my kids all the time, they can manipulate me just by saying thank you. Just by, being, just by having a gracious word to me. And the proverb, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon right here, says the same thing. Then you look at chapter 18, verse 21. And he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Then the last one, 2511, <clears throat> there are more that we could read, but I feel like we've gotten the picture of it. But 2511, says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I don't know how fancy that is um, right now, um, but it sounds pretty fancy that words fitly spoken, words in the right time, in the right place, are apples of gold set in a setting of silver, worth a lot, <clears throat> displayed for all to see because it's important and it's valuable. And words that are done and used in the right way, at the right time, in the right context, they are valuable they are worth a lot and so you read these verses now knowing how much we talk and we quickly realize that our words can be one of two things they can either be a blessing to others or they can be a curse they can build up or they can tear down and so there's only one point today with a few subpoints, and, and the one point is this. The words that you use every day are powerful. The words that you use every day in every situation, in every circumstance, have the power to bring life and to bring hope and to bring peace, or they have the ability to slowly kill someone or to break them or to tear them down. And so out of the 8,400 books that you have, if you live to be 80 years old, every one of them have an intrinsic power in them. Every one of them. You know, and, and the first reason we know that words are powerful is because in Matthew 12, 34, it says that Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he says, for out of the heart the mouth speaks. So words are powerful, number one, because they reveal what is happening inside of your heart. They reveal what is happening inside of your heart. If you want to know what's going on in your child's life, listen to the words they say. If you want to know what's happening inside of your spouse's life, listen to the words that they say. If you want to know what's happening inside of your parents, inside of your coworkers, if you want to know what's going on in the life of anyone, any individual, any person, then just listen to the words that they say because our Savior Jesus, when talking to the scribes and Pharisees, says, hey, it's what's going on in your heart that will eventually come out of your mouth. It's what's going on in your heart that will eventually come out of your mouth. And so if you find yourself constantly belittling people, that says something about your heart. If, you, if you're constantly being overly critical of everything, that says something about your heart. If you find yourself yelling at people continually, that says something about your heart. If you find yourself speaking forgiving words, and giving grace to people, that says something about your heart. 
And if, and if you find yourself constantly muttering things under your breath when you don't get your way, that says something about your heart. Because out of your heart, your mouth will speak. And so there's a natural question that comes up at this point. And it's not an easy question. It's actually pretty difficult. But <clears throat> what are the words that you are using say about your heart? And if you could just go back over the last week, over the last seven days to last Sunday, and just think in your mind what words you are using. What does that reveal about your heart this week? Is it a heart that's more in love with Jesus? Is it, is it a heart that, that is more submitted to his ways? Or is it a heart that is rooted in only wanting what you want? Or is it a heart that is straying away from the Lord? Because our words will give us a picture of that. Now, that's, not a, that's really not a fair question. It's a natural question that comes up inside of this because you have to ask it. But it's not a, it's not a fair question because of this. James chapter 3, and you don't have to turn there. It should be on the screen. But James chapter 3 talks about the tongue. And here's what it says, starting in verse 5b. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's the tongue. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Like, like the writer, James, he's saying, hey, we can tame all sorts of animals. We can tame birds. We can tame dogs. We can tame cats, maybe. We can tame all of these things, all these large animals. Yet it's impossible. It's impossible is what it says for a human to tame the tongue. It says, it goes on, that it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brother, these things ought not to be so. So even James, even the Bible says that's a hard question. Like even, even the Bible says, hey, some of us have really well-tamed animals but have a tongue that is so far off that we curse people and bless people that are made in the image of God all in the same way. We can tame everything around us, but the hardest thing, the most noble, difficult thing for us to tame is this small little muscle in our mouth because what comes out of it can either be blessing or curse. Can either be blessing or curse. And then he begs them, hey, let this not be so about us. You see, our words are powerful because they reveal what is in our heart. And if we want to have any chance of having a tame tongue, then we must have a transformed heart. We must have a transformed heart. Not us. Not, not transformed by us, but transformed by the very gospel of 
the Lord who comes in and takes our old self and puts a new heart inside of us. And our words are powerful because it reveals what's going on in here. Second thing, our words are powerful because they can bring life or they can tear down. I found this interesting as I was reading this week that scientists have done a study on people that, that they found that if they hear um, the word elderly a lot, they actually walk slower. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I was, I was kind of blown away, so I tried it. Um, I'm just kidding, I didn't try it, but it would be kind of funny if I did. I should have been doing that while I was playing football, talking about all the old people with the guy that was guarding me. Um, some researchers actually showed that when people read the words loving kindness, that they showed an increase in self-compassion and improved mood and reduced anxiety. And every one of us in this room can probably uh, link to a place in time where we've had someone whose words hurt us deeply. And I don't mean to drag those out of the closet today, um, but some of us are some of us are probably still working through those things. That in middle school, someone said this about you and, and, and it just hurt you to the core. And our best defense, like, like the thing that, that, that we learn at a very early age, like a few nursery rhymes, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or you're like rubber, I'm like glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. But that's like the best option we have to dealing with words. The people that wrote those don't understand life at all because words actually hurt. They hurt. And that's why James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. He wants us to be slow to speak because inside of our words are an ability to build up or an ability to tear down. Now, I, like, like this isn't saying that you always have to be nice and flowery and never correct anyone with your words. But it's the attitude, it's the thought that the words come out with. It can be very loving for someone to put their arm around me and say, hey, that was terrible. What you did right then, that was, that was really bad. And you should never do that again. And let me tell you why you should never do that again, because it makes you look terrible. And it doesn't look good on Jesus when, if you're a Christian and you do those things. So it's not always pretty conversations. It's not all words that are flowery. But it's words that are used with an intent to build up and not to tear down. But the natural thing inside of us at times when we're feeling corrected or we're feeling wronged is to lash out in anger. It's just to say something when we're hurt, when someone says something that hurts us, our natural response is to say something that would hurt them deeper than they hurt us. But when we do that, our words are like thrusts of a sword that slowly destroy the other person. They slowly destroy them. And so our words are powerful because it reveals what's happening in our heart. And secondly, it has the power to build up or tear down. 
But there's another thing, third. There is power in what you say to yourself. There's power in what you say to yourself. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. It talks about this soul that is, that is downcast. Proverbs 42, starting in verse 5. Psalm 42, starting in verse 5. It says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Like this is a picture of a guy who's having like one of those dark nights of the soul. Like he's struggling. He's not knowing what to do. Like the, the, the soul inside of him is struggling and he's not knowing what's right and what's wrong. He's not knowing what to do. He's staying up all night. He can't sleep. He's just trying to figure out life. And this psalmist, this guy is like, hey, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then he gives us something else. He says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my Life. Then you can jump down, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So this psalmist, he is, he is struggling with life. And he doesn't know what to do. And so he finds himself remembering all the things that God had done. In other words, he is preaching to himself. He is preaching to himself the gospel. He is preaching to himself the things that he needs to hear. And, and, and he's saying words to himself. You see, the words that you say to yourself will impact you. Like, let's say it like this. If you walk into a room and you think that no one likes you inside of the room, it's going to change how you enter the room. But if you walk into a room and you think that everyone's genuinely happy to see you, it's going to change how you enter into it. It's, it's going to change your demeanor. It's going to change your posture. It's going to change the things you say. And so the words that you say, the words that you meditate on will change how you feel. That's what the psalmist says right here. So, so every year, uh, for the last couple years, at the suggestion of a friend, I start thinking about a word of the year. I start thinking about like a word that, that I hope the Lord um, would, would do in my life. This year, my word is wisdom. This year, my word is wisdom, and I hope that it impacts my parenting, some financial decisions, and then um, just what happens in the college ministry, in our church. And so, uh, I teach a doctrine and apologetics class uh, at a high school, and so I, 
I asked them to do the same thing. So the first thing we did when we got back was, hey, I'm going to give you the whole class period. I want you to think of your word. I want you to think of the wor- your word for the year. And then they had to stand up and they had to give a two-minute presentation on their word. And there's this one girl, this junior girl, who, who got up there and, man, just, just bore her soul to this class. She gets up, up to the podium in front of the class, and she says, uh, my word for the year is confidence. Confidence. And she said, I hope that impacts my, like my walk with the Lord. You see, some of you talk in here about having this really deep, valuable walk with the Lord, and, and I've just never had that. I've never heard the Lord speak to me. And I want to have confidence knowing that God will do that with me. And then, and then the next thing she says, she, she says, this, this may sound a little weird, um, but I want confidence in the way that I look. You see, I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I just don't like what I see. And then I come to school and I compare myself to every one of you and I think you're more beautiful than I am. And I want confidence in in the way that I look. And then she says, third, um, I, I want confidence in my schoolwork. The reason I take so long, and earlier in the year, she had taken almost double the time that a test would normally take. She took that much time. And she's like, the, like the reason that I take so long in my schoolwork is I have no confidence that I think I'm doing it right. And so I double, triple, and quadruple check my work. Because I think it's wrong. As soon as I write it down, I think it's wrong. And as this junior girl stood up in front of the class, just bearing her soul, my heart just broke for her. Not because her self-confidence was low, but it was because she's not seeing how God sees her. And she was allowing the enemy to come in and speak to her the words. And with her own mouth, she was speaking these words to her that God doesn't want to know her, that God thinks she's ugly, that she's not smart, and all of these things. And it just perpetuated on and on and on until she actually believed it in her life. And she was the most influential person in her life. And I just kept thinking, God, would you just show her who she is? That in Psalm 139, that she is fearfully and wonderfully made. In Jeremiah 1.5, that before she was even born, she, you knew her. Ephesians 2.10, that you are his workmanship. That we are created in his own image. That 1 John 3.2 says that God loves us so much that we are called his children. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and God is actually inside of us? That God blots out our transgressions according to Isaiah 43, Matthew 10.30, that even the hairs on our head are numbered. Even if they go down, he still knows them, exactly how many they are. Even if you see yourself on a screen and there's a spot right here that's going away, God still knows exactly what is going on. And so my heart just continued to break for her because she didn't see herself the way that God sees her. And I would tell you the same is true. You are the most influential person in your life. And whether you preach the gospel to you or not will determine how you feel about God. 
and how you feel about situations. We are a friend of God, children of God, greatly loved. We are God's messenger to the world. And it's time that we taught and preached the gospel to ourselves about that. Because our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. I wanted to end today with just a verse that, that maybe give us something to shoot for. You know, like, like give us something to aim at. And Isaiah chapter 50 um, gives us this, this, this great word about how our words can be used. Isaiah 50 verse 4, it's, it's Isaiah talking to the Israelites and I love his confidence in here. I love his confidence with, with what the Lord has done. But it's Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. He says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. It actually, in the, in the New American Standard, you can translate it. God has given me the tongue of a disciple. The tongue of a disciple. And I love the next. That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. I want to read that again. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, the tongue of a disciple, so that I may know how to sustain with a word those who are weary. Man, what, what would that be like if that was us? Like, what would that be like if if God has so transformed our heart, that God has so captivated our gaze, that, that, he, that the words that he gives us would have the power to sustain the weary. What would your children look like if your words to them help sustain the weary? What would your parents look like if the words that came out of your mouth sustained the weary, what would your office look like if the words that came out of your mouth sustained the weary? What would wherever you go look like if the words that came out of your mouth had the power to sustain the weary? What if you were known individually like as a man or a woman like that? What if we as a church were known as a place where people could find hope and healing and comfort. Man, can we just desire that? Can we just hope for that? That this week our words would transform the people around us. That our words would change the situations of people. Man, as I was studying this, I just craved that for us craved it for us and I hope you crave it for yourself too and for your family and for the people around you God um, the, the root of all of this is that we need you God if it's, if it's true that, that our heart controls our mouth and since your, your word tells us it's true, God, we, we need you to transform our heart. 
God, we need you to, to do something in our midst that, that we can't do on our own. Because I've, I've tried to transform my heart. I've tried to, to, to think on higher things. But, but God, it, it never works for a long period of time until you come in and you do that. And so, God, I pray that you do that in us today. God, that we would leave this place as people so transformed by you that our tongue would give hope to the weary, strength to the downtrodden. And so, God, thanks for the reminder that our words are important, that they're powerful. And, God, I pray that you would transform our heart. The staff and I are going to be down here at the front, and if you'd like someone to pray for you in this, we, we would count it as a pleasure and a gift to pray for you. If you've been visiting here for a while and you have decided that you want to join a church where you want some accountability and you want a place to serve and to walk with the Lord, we would love, we would love to tell you what that means. Or if you've just honestly assessed where you are today and and you realize that your heart is far away from the Lord and you don't know whether or not you're a Christian or not, we would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. And so as the Lord speaks to your heart, you come.